Rugga Matrix America is brought to you by Rugby Imports. Go to RugbyImports.com for all your personal rugby playing needs and also for the needs of outfitting your team, home of Canterbury of New Zealand, RugbyImports.com. And also by the USA Sevens International Rugby Tournament held February 11th and 12th in Las Vegas, Nevada. You can participate too in this great event by playing in the Las Vegas Invitational, which is in the days leading up to it. And then you can stay on to see 16 of the greatest Sevens national teams in the world compete at the stop in the at the USA stop on the IRB circuit. Go to USA7s.com for more information. This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome everyone to the show. This is Alex Goff with RugbyMag.com. Uh, excited about this show because we've got a great guest, and as always, we also have our co-hosts. We've got uh, Bruce McLean out in New York and Pat Clifton back in Kansas City after a lovely weekend in Denver. Hey, Bruce, first of all, how's it going? I'm doing really well, and I'm very excited for the for the upcoming show. Obviously, one of our favorite guests will be on, so this is going to be great. And it's a lot less hot, so I am not melting. Well, that's good. I'm I'm. You know, because the sound of you melting on the radio is a little bit odd. Uh, and Pat, you were, you had an interesting weekend in Denver. What well, with half the uh, Eagles team training there, but you were you were there for the Denver Sevens. Right? Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was a great tournament there in Denver. Uh, a lot of good teams in the West. Saw a couple upsets. Glendale going down uh, and having to go to the third place game. But no, it was a great weekend. Ran into a bunch of the 15s guys: Naki Basori, Colin Blaine. Um, you know, Louie all out at the, at a local watering hole late at night after after the tournament was over. It was a good weekend, and and saw Al on Sunday. Uh, he was there as uh, doing a combine and and the West uh, tryouts. He was there helping out with that. So it was a it was a good weekend for me for sure. Good hard day training at altitude. Well, speaking of training and getting ready for the World Cup and for the Eagles, we have as our guest the United States national team captain Todd Clever. And Todd, uh, he's been on uh, the USA national team scene since he was a teenager. Uh, he made his debut for the USA under eight, uh, under nineteen team. Sorry, at I think it was the, I think he was he was definitely seventeen. He may have actually played when he was sixteen. Uh, he was an All American uh, at uh, University of Nevada. Uh, made his debut for the Eagles at the age of twenty uh, in two thousand three, and his debut for the USA sevens team a year later. Uh, He played NPC Rugby at North Harbor. Uh, He is the only American uh, to ever play Super Rugby, having uh, played for the Lions for two seasons, and the only American to play in Super Rugby, the only American to start, the only American to score a try in Super Rugby. He has uh, 23 sevens tournaments for the Eagles under his belt, 35 caps, nine tries, which is, by the way, far and away the most by any forward for the Eagles, nine tries for the USA and he is uh, captaining the USA team as they get ready for the World Cup. So, Todd Clever, welcome to the show. Hey, Todd, I think that Alex knows more about your rugby career than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's quite an introduction. Thanks very much. That's, uh, that's a pleasure to join you guys on the show again. Well, the, right now you are, you've been playing for Suntory in Japan, which has been an interesting experience for you. And I guess the first, the first question I have is, is a a relationship with that you've you've played under Eddie Jones, uh, who obviously is not the Australian national team coach. Uh, Robbie Deans is, but 
you get a little bit of exposure to the Australian way of thinking in rugby. And Australia, of course, is uh, one of your opponents coming up in the World Cup. Do you learn anything from that? Is there, there, are there any insights that you can bring to the team or at least to your own game uh, playing with Eddie or for Eddie? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, first, firstly, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot from, uh, from working under Eddie, Eddie Jones. Uh, you know, he has, uh, he has a rugby mind and, you know, he works, uh, endlessly with, uh, with off the, off the field stuff and just, uh, managing, uh, his players, his co- his other coaches. And, uh, you know, he, he makes it, he makes it go around and, you know, he, sh- he showed, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Australian rugby when he coached the Wallabies and the Brumbies. He's he coached South Africa when they when they won the World Cup in 2007 with uh, with Jake White. And now uh, now we brought a new style of rugby in uh, in Japan and we uh, we won the Japan Cup. And you know he's uh, he's he, he plays what's in front in in front of him and and uh, you know definitely definitely won a lot. And I'll definitely be uh, picking his brain. Uh, for uh, before the before the World Cup, and I mean Australia is going to be uh, is going to be one of the teams to beat. That's for sure. Todd, you have a really interesting leg in the upcoming with the Eagles. Uh, very shortly, you'll be meeting to play Canada, and and then Japan. Looking at the looking at the um, at the matchups and and how that'll and how that'll go, and and and, and obviously. Not having Samu Manoa and, and and maybe a little bit of a, a change of thought process in the squad. What are your what's your outlook? What do you think you guys have to do better in order to compete and beat beat Canada? And it being that you play in Japan and are very familiar with that, what advantages do you feel that the United States has over the Japanese? And and where do you think that they need to shut the Japanese off? Where the Japanese might have some slight advantages over the United States. Um, you know, firstly, you know, both of those teams, Canada and Japan, have been playing quite well. Uh, Canada, you know, made it to the finals of the Churchill Cup and played quite well against uh, England Saxons in, in the finals. So they, uh, that, from last time uh, they were assembled, they've uh, they've been impressing and, and playing well. It looks like they're going to be peaking. So those two games are definitely going to be tough. And uh, you know, whenever whenever we're on top of our game and they're slacking, or if we're, uh, if we're on top of our game and they're slacking, um, you know, it, it's always going to be a close game. It's always going to be a tough battle, um, you know, it, it, within that. So so it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be good, you know. Uh, you know, might might be you know splitting splitting the game. We're we're going we're gunning for it, and we're going to you know hopefully uh, get these uh, next couple weeks in. And then uh, play both those games and have good performances against Canada. It'll be tough. Uh, and then on to Japan. I mean, you know, I, I've praised Japan rugby uh, for for a while now. Just even before I, I went there, and uh, you know, I was looking at some stats, and uh, you know, one of the things that um, you know I've learned to learn from from Eddie Jones is he's he's pretty much a stat man and you know uh, percentage kind of guy. And, uh, you know, statistically, you know, for the days together as national teams, Japan is going to be together more than any other national team. Um, wow. They've, they've uh, more than All Blacks, more than Wallabies, more than South Africa, England. I mean, all those. They, they, 
day for day, those that national team is going to be together more than anybody else. So that's uh, that's pretty much that's pretty daunting. And 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 they're getting ready to go to Italy. I just spoke with a couple of the players uh, actually last night on on Skype, uh, a couple of my teammates, and they're, they're getting ready to go to Italy uh, for you know for a couple of weeks for a camp and a test match out there. So I mean they're 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 doing it right. They got the funding. And, uh, and and they're going to be tough, and they're jumping up the the polls uh, on on the international uh, chart of, of getting ranked. Uh, they just beat Fiji for the first time in I think 15 years or 16 years. They beat Tonga, you know, beat Samoa. They they won the they won the uh, Pacific Nations Cup. Uh, you know, they're 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 impressive, and they're they're opening eyes. Um, so that that's going to be a tough tough game, and and not only you know. I know it doesn't really matter too much, but they hosted they hosted Russia I think uh, earlier in the year, and I think they put 70, 70 plus points on them, and uh, they're just, they're just they're just gelling, they're playing well, and uh, you know what I think we still have on them is physicality. We got to go in there and know that they're a beatable team, um, and and I and I truly do believe that that the Eagles can go toe to toe with them. And, uh, and 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 be physical and you know show them show them what you know kind of Amer- America is all about attitude of uh, of never giving up and 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 putting some real pressure on them. Todd, talking about the American attitude a little bit, um, I went back and looked at kind of your <clears throat> your record against Canada, and and it's it's two and six. It's not <laughs> pretty, and I don't want to bring it up uh, as a negative light, but. Not a lot of uh, American sports fans or, or people here in the, in the States are used to being inferior to Canada or accepting that they're inferior to Canada in anything, except for maybe hockey and curling. Um, how important it is for you, or how important is it for you to, to kind of level the table with Canada and, and, and get back on a, on a winning foot uh, playing against those guys that are just uh, obviously just across the border to the north? Yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, you know, I, I think I've been involved in all those games. So you know, I, I've 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 felt the defeat and I've felt the wins, and uh, you know it's 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 tough it's it's tough to you know go out there and you know I, I know that we're we're playing for more than just uh, each other we're playing for the country and and for the fans and for all that so I mean but when you're in there and you have a job and task you really got to focus and you really got to have that mentality of of doing it and for for the for the American way that you ask about you know American attitude. Is is sort of what we're trying to instill with with uh, um, with with, this, with the sevens, with the all Americans, with with the Eagles, with 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 all the age grade going through is is you you got to be tough, you got to bring it, and uh, you know to to, to lighten back. I, I watched the the all Americans against the New Zealand universities, and man, their defense was incredible uh, in, in that first first uh, first game of the series. And uh, it, it was great. I was, I was privileged to do uh, the jersey presentation and be there, meet all the guys, and uh, and, and hung out with most of them after the game. And uh, man, it, it really—I I, just—I hope we have some footage and just you know, kind of heart that uh, that turn around and, and and those guys just pounced on them, and, and it was impressive. So I mean, that's that's the sort of attitude that we need to you know bring in and and have uh, have have faith in each other and, and then trust and. And sort of, you know, if they cross our line, they're going to have to work their ass off to to do so. Todd, maybe it's just a selfish fan in me, but when I watch and see how how well you know Japan has done lately, how well Canada's done, you know, making back to back Churchill Cup finals, um, it makes me a little jealous as an American fan. As a player, I mean, these are countries that are you know 
have somewhat similar traditions as, as far as playing the sport and rugby. It, as a fan, I get a little bit jealous. As a player, is it like, well, you know, we can probably step up. If Japan can do it, we can do it. If Canada can do it, we can do it. We, you want to be on that level of success with them? Yeah, I mean, of, of course we want to be on the level of success of getting more wins than losses. I mean, any any competitor would, would, uh, would say that. But, you, Pat, you've got to understand – it, it goes a lot higher than uh, than the 30 players, the 22 players that, that are taking the field. It goes a lot higher than that. It's, uh, you know, how much time are we getting together? How much, how much funding is coming into a sponsorship? How many, uh, you know, it, it goes down to the, the fans that show up to the games. Who, how, many, how many players are actually are fans going to watch us? How many, how many uh, sponsors are, are helping us train um, so we don't have to, you know, dig in our own pockets? And, you know, it, it, it goes pretty, pretty far. Todd, you've been. This will be actually your third World Cup uh, preparation. You were at the 2003 World Cup. You didn't play, but you were part of the squad. 2007, uh, you were a big part of the team, um, and obviously uh, captain of the team this year. Uh, three different coaches: Tom Billups, Peter Thorburn, and Eddie O'Sullivan. Um, but and and i guess 2003 there was a little bit difference i, I guess maybe there is a, a huge difference in terms of how many games you had leading up to it um whether you knew what the team was going to be it was pretty much set in 2003 uh this year it's it's narrowing down now can can you compare those years is there something that sticks out as being very different this year um just uh i mean Probably being more of a mature player and more of a mature um, person, just how much I want to be with the guys right now, and and it's and it's tough that you know the 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 little time we've we've been together. I just uh, the worst thing is it's sort of like uh, you know getting ready to go into our finals or getting ready to go for the Super Bowl. You, you want to be as prepared as possible. And you want if you have to study all night, you have to study all night. If you have to, you know, for for long periods of time of training, I just I just hope that you know we're not getting together too late. You know, all these other national teams are together, they're playing games and they're doing everything like that, and and we're not doing that right now. And and it's it's a bit worrisome. And and we're not even you know it's not even about games. It's about you know being together, training together. If it's in you know altitude or if it's whatever whatever the case may be, it's it's tough. So um you know it's it's I just I just uh, hope for the for this year's sake that you know we we come together real fast we have done it in the past so you know I I believe in it but I've just you know I've holding the captaincy I I do feel a bit of a, a bit bit more weight on the shoulders of of you know uh, steering the right direction and, and and getting the job done when we get down to New Zealand. Todd. I hope that I hope that you're preparing as a player better than you prepared for your finals. That's for sure. But <laughs> but uh, but that said, from the way I look at it, like seeing Canada and and seeing how how you guys performed in the uh, in the World Cup qualifiers against them, I I really even though Canada's had some results in the past couple of years, I don't see a whole lot in it. Like I don't see that there's a significant difference between the United States and Canada. And, and in many ways, I think that there's, that there's, there's, there's quite a bit where, where you have something on them. I mean, Canada has an excellent back row. There's no doubt about it, but you guys have an excellent back row as well. And you're bigger, you know, uh, you have yeah, a bigger, I, I, you have a bigger second row. You have, you have a bit more, probably a bit more power in the midfield. And, and you definitely have, 
at least as much, if not more, explosiveness in in the outside backs. I like so. There's not a whole lot in it that like I really do think that it, it's a very, very, very possible chance that that you know minimally a split, but but pro, you know you you could have a two and zero, oh, especially playing in. Denver, where, where it'll be, where it'll be pretty, pretty good, and and then going to Toronto, where the weather's going to be, you know, relatively favorable, and and it's not going to be brutally hot. So I think that you might be able to impose yourselves on them a little bit. Well, well that's obvi- that's obviously the plan. So I mean, if I can write a script, that's uh, that that is it going two and zero, uh, and you know, we're that's what we're expecting, and that's what we want to do as a team. We, we we're gunning for these games. And we, I think, I think you know, the three last uh, warm-up games for the World Cup, two against Canada, home away, and then against Japan. I think it's, uh, I, th- I think those are good tests for us, you know, to get ready for the World Cup. Uh, I mean, I remember there was talk before about going down to Tonga or Samoa or something like that instead of the Japan. It's just like, oh, I, I mean, you just kind of cringe of, you know, you know, I, you know, you, you, I don't know, I don't know if you watched any of. The- the highlights or watch the game against uh, Japan or, or any of those uh, Pacific Nation Cups. But, I mean, you know, I think there was a total of, like, six yellow cards and a red card on, on in one of those games. So And that's just on one of the teams. So, uh, so I mean, you, you definitely don't want to put your uh, put your team in, in front of that right before a Rugby World Cup. And you want to go to uh, New Zealand with, the, with, uh, with, uh, with, with your strongest 30. So, I mean, with those three games coming up, I, I, definitely, I definitely think that's, that's, those are good. And, uh, you know, with, with Canada, you're exactly right. You know, we're going to go. We're gunning for those 2-0. and uh, we, But we do know it, it's going to be tough because it, it always is. That's an amazing point about the discipline, Todd. And uh, the, the two-game World Cup qualifier series against Canada in 2009, uh, three halves of those four halves in the games – uh, USA were led, or or was tied. You had you had a, a better score. It was simply a meltdown in that first half, um, in Edmonton, and uh, and part of that was just you know there was a lot of things you know drop balls, silly mistakes, things like that. And you also had a really uh, a bad red card on on Paul Emmerich, um, which you know I know Paul would put his hand up and say should never have happened but how how as a captain how concerned are you about in the in, there are so many things to be worried about but also maintaining discipline so that somebody doesn't get himself suspended and miss you know two three games in the world cup because he did something stupid against japan yeah i i mean yeah, that's that's it's something you don't really i mean you're you're international rugby and and you you definitely there, there are a few hotheads, and, and it comes out sometimes when, when you're being tested and playing, playing, playing rugby, and, and I know that firsthand. But, I mean, you're getting ready. You, you, this is your final prep for the World Cup. You, you have all, all, the, all the boxes checked. You're out there doing the job, preparing yourself, getting the, get a, uh, your body fine-tuned and, uh, and ready to go. So, I mean, you know, it, it shouldn't happen, and, and I hope it doesn't happen, and I hope I don't need to, uh, you know, touch point point on it that, you know, it, it's not really my, my job to, I mean, it is sort of, you know, with, with, with along, along the coaches to, to help out. But, I mean, you know, the, those sort of, you know, you know, brain farts or whatever you want to call it <laughs> of, uh, of, of doing it is, is, is just, uh, you know, n- not, not, uh, not on. So hopefully we don't have to do with that. Todd, can I jump in for a second about 
Uh, one, of the things, one of the things that impressed me watching that Women's Soccer World Cup, I don't know if you watched it at all, but watching that Brazil game and, and, and seeing Abby Wambach, the, uh, the captain of the, of the U.S. team, after that game, and her attitude, in, in, at least in the interviews, was like, we were never going to be beaten that day. There were, we, we had a plan, and we were going to win that day. And she, she almost had – there was no doom and gloom, not when they were down to 10 people, not when, they were, not when they were down late in the game, not anything. She really just had an attitude of can do, can do, can do. Have you been working on your ability to maintain that kind of a mental approach? And it, it is your – you generally have a positive attitude, and I think it was – Probably, you know, and I, and I hate to continually bring up your parents and, and how supportive they were of you throughout your entire life and your brother and, and, and really how that has given you a can-do attitude. But have you worked on it even further to, like, help to, to maybe almost radiate it through the team that we can do this and we're going to do this and, and if something bad's going to happen, it's going to happen over my dead body? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's it's a good point because, you know, you, you do no matter what, no matter how bad things do get, uh, and things do get bad no matter where you are or what team you're playing with or or, or individually, thing, things definitely don't go 100% right. But, you know, one of the main things I try to stress is, you know, try, try to find a positive out of what happened. What just what just happened with, you know, that game or that half or this breakdown or, or this meltdown or whatever whatever it may be. You got to find you got to find positive out of there. And what did we do right? You know, we didn't have a great Churchill Cup, but there was some positive things we did uh, statistically with 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 uh, you know uh, keeping keeping the ball one with, without uh, you know um, handling hairs or you know with the rocks and what, what kind of percentages. Okay, so all we got to do is you know hold on to the ball. That's that's on us. It's not on them. So you know th- those sort of things we definitely. Um, um, you know, we, we look out as a team and, and sort of we're getting into that phase of, of, of you know, uh, you know, this is not going to happen o- over us. This is this is this is this is our game. This is what we got to bring it. And, uh, you know, we, we have showed some improvements of, of stride and, and shown some pride. And uh, we just really need to, you know, make sure we do that uh, with with every time we put that jersey on, with every half, with every 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 time uh, we we get together, we need to get a little bit better at that because we have slipped up a, a couple times with that. Todd, the you talked about um, liking the, the the players that you're with and being excited about being on the team, and we 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 talked a little bit about. Uh, Comparing back rows, and obviously you're uh, you're a back row player. You've played with a lot of different uh, combinations of back row, and you've played at six, you played at seven, you played at eight. Do you have a preference on your position? And do you have? Well, I, I'm not going to ask you. Do you have a preference on the players you play with? But um, what are some of the the differences or the the special uh, attributes that some players like Lou Stanfield, Naki Basari, Nicky Johnson? Those guys and and JJ Gaiano, oh, what what do they bring to the table? Uh, and and do you do you you adjust your game based on who you're playing with? Yeah, um, you know I've I've played I've played all positions basically in in the, in the back row, like you said. Um, for for what I prefer, you know I, I've I've preferred seven in the past, but you know if we've we've had a really good seven. I feel really confident being number six and, and being a targeted ball carrier. Um, you know, it's just it's depending on the game on the game plan, how we're running it, and you know the pattern that we're going for. 
of you know where the ball carriers are coming from and and everything like that because that that does bring a lot. So um, the last few games I've I've slotted in an eight uh, on offense and seven on defense. Um, and you know after a few runs or after a few things like that, you know um, uh, Anaki's played uh, played at six and you know he's you know I, I throw him at uh, throw him at the open side while I'm at the blind side for 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 one of the scrums or something like that and uh, you know he he he's he's always the kind of guy that that will put his hands up and say you know you know oh, I'll do it I got your back I got your back and that's really great and and I think the players really feed on that as well because he's eager. He's he's not afraid to make a mistake, and he knows he knows that that cutback, or he knows that eight man's coming after him right now. So we, so so that's the kind of thing. Uh, Lou Stanfield, he's been with the squad for a long time, and, and he's uh, he's he's improved a, a lot, and uh, just real big physical player. And he he's 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 also the kind of guy putting his hands up, and you know he 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 wants he wants a position. If he doesn't get it, he's going to play a different position. So he can play that position, and uh, you know he, he's he's pretty versatile playing second row and a couple of the back row positions, which is good. With uh, with uh, J with JJ, I mean his his experience of playing in South Africa and, and playing some pretty uh, pretty high level rugby down there for for a long time for a career, which which a lot of guys uh, in in the U.S. you know don't have that exposure to. Uh, you know, he he bring he brings sort of that, so it, it's always good. Even if he's come off the bench or if he starts the game or what, whatever he does, he uh, he seems to have the the right mentality and the right pace, and and just slots in really well within within the squad. So I mean, there's there's a few guys that that are just uh, you know doing 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 good jobs, and and it's uh, you know it's a pleasure playing every time. It means it's easy it's it's easy to captain captain the U.S. team. Those guys, you know. Give give their heart and soul and and, and raise their hand and, and just want to uh, just want to prefer, perform and, and and put on that put on that jersey. You know, obviously we mentioned earlier in the intro that uh, the only Super Fifteen uh, Eagle is is Todd Clever. It, well, there's a possibility that there may be a second one um, as James Patterson hasn't been ruled out yet. And I just wanted to ask, you know, from the captain's perspective, the guy's never been capped as an Eagle. Um, you know, he's been in the system, but it's been a long time. In, and he has a possibility, it seems, uh, at least the door's still open, to, to come into the World Cup and, and maybe play one or two test matches, test matches and, and actually get added to that World Cup roster. D- does that have uh, – you know, do you worry about the effect that could have on a team of, of guys that have been working for this World Cup roster for a long time, uh, how that could affect their, their psyche if a guy like James is able to come in late? Or, or do you think that his talent would be a, a welcome addition? Um, uh, you know, everybody would welcome him in with open arms. Yeah, I mean the U.S. team. I mean, I don't think you've ever been part of a, a close, a closed assembly. And uh, I mean, we are a welcoming group, and we've had we've had guys from all walks of life. And if uh, if James is healthy and 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 gets his his body right, and he's uh, released uh, out of his contract, and if and if uh, he's, uh, he's he's made the team, I mean, the other twenty nine guys w- would welcome him, and there there would be no hard feelings because we know we're all going for it. Uh, James is gr- he's a he's a great rugby player. I've played against him uh, in in Super Rugby. Uh, had a chat with him afterwards. Uh, he, he's a great guy, and, and uh, you know it'd be awesome you know to have him come out and you know get the World Cup prep uh, under his belt and you know see where it goes from there. So I mean I'm not I'm not in the mix of uh, the selectors or or anything like that. But I know as a player and, and, and as a captain that uh, any, anybody that's that's going to be going to the World Cup is well deserved. And uh, and and has something to give back to, uh, give back to the team. 
I, I, I just wanted to make a comment on one of the things uh, Todd had said about the uh, the back row. And, you know, obviously we had had Anaki on and, and, and Todd and, 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 and Louis. Louis always one of my favorite players to have had the pleasure of coaching. But J.J. Gagliano, and, and, and as rough as that England-Saxons game went, from and 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 I didn't overanalyze the game, but I but I did look at it a couple times, and I gotta say, that kid really made a boatload of tackles and really threw his body on the line. I know he copped an injury during the game, and I and I think he copped it pretty early, and mm-hmm. continued to go on and play fantastically well. And I don't know if that was all borne out in the in the in the video sessions after the game. But from from looking at it from a layman's point of view and a fan's point of view, he seemed to have a tremendous game. And and did did that bear itself out? And and if so, I think then you have a you know you you kind of have somebody there who can who can match up with O'Toole and uh, and Kleberger on Canada, and 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 give them anything they anything they can handle and Carpenter for that matter. So it's a pretty rough Canada back row. But as I said, they're a lot smaller than you guys as far as height. Yeah, no, I mean exactly. That's why that's why uh, you know single out of him as well because he does bring that he does bring that extra and you know his his uh, his hard work and all that uh, tough stuff he did against the Saxons was 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 definitely noticeable. Well, everyone's hard work is noticeable, and uh, we've got several of the national team training up in Denver. And Todd, I'm I'm sure I know you've got to go. And uh, you've got to go do some training too, I would imagine, and yeah. uh, and that's what everybody's doing on their own, right? They're just uh, working as hard as they can until the next assembly. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I got uh, you know, I uh, teamed up with uh, with a gym down here in, in San Diego. It's called Isaiah, and uh, you know, they've uh, they've really welcomed myself and Tyanosa, Matt Hawkins. Um, with with open arms and and really supporting the, the the rugby cause and and getting us personal trainers, giving us gym use, giving us rehab, giving us all sorts of that kind of stuff. And uh, you know it's a top notch facility, and uh, and and they're getting us all prepared and and giving us uh, the best shot to uh, to make the World Cup squad. And you know Ty and I have Ty and I have uh, have, have a session in in a little bit, and you know we've been uh, we've been working really hard the last few weeks and. You know, hopefully, it will pay off. Uh, pay off in the end, which I'm sure it will. Well, the, you know, the uh, you mentioned that you've played all three back row positions, and you've also played uh, a little bit of wing uh, in the Super 14 when your team was down on injuries. So I don't know if maybe you and Ty are, are thinking about competing with each other uh, to, for a spot in the wing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I hope I don't have to uh, uh, put on a put on a backs jersey in in, in the World Cup. That's for sure. But uh, but if, but if it has to be done. I'll put my hand up. No, I don't think that's gonna. I don't think wing is not a wing is not gonna be a pressing need <laughs> um, from what I could see. But Todd, do you have any appearances or uh, you know YouTube things or um, or commercials or television or appearances that you want to plug? Possibly, some of <laughs> people can go and see and find a little bit more out about you and and things like that. Toddclever.com. Yeah, yep, toddclever.com. I actually just did uh, did uh, did some uh, TV work yesterday with uh, with the great people at NBC and Universal Sports, and uh, you know those guys are putting a lot into rugby, and, and those guys are psyched on it. So I mean, I was working with them for about five six hours yesterday, and uh, it was myself in front of the camera, and there was about 
15 guys on staff and, and uh, they're just pouring in the resources. They're really getting excited for the world cup. Um, you know, some of their main producers, main management guys that, that came in the office uh, drove down from LA just to be part of it. And, and, uh, and, and just to say, you know, good luck and how excited they are about it and cheering us on and, and make sure that that message gets back to, uh, to, to the whole players and, and to the whole team. So, um, and, and, and the fans. So, you know, we really got backing from, from the TV gig and that, that's such a huge, huge thing. So now hopefully we can, uh, you know, set up our side of, of the thing and, uh, and play well. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully USA rugby gets their act together and they can, uh, provide better, better training for us and more time together and, uh, you know, more resources individually for the players to, uh, to, uh, to, to be the best that they can actually be. Uh, one, one final question from me. Are your parents going to the, uh, to the three test series? Are they going to head over to Japan or are they going to, uh, are they going to go down to the world cup? Cause if you go to a game, you definitely want to hang out with the clevers. They're a very fun group of people to hang out with and, and, and they're in the travel business. So they, they can get you there. They can get you a hotel. They can get you back. And when you're there, you can have a whole lot of fun. That's for sure. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, yeah, the, the clever traveler, that's uh, that's my folks' business. And, and they'll be going out to Denver, and they actually got a, a couple uh, couple great packages going down to the World Cup with some awesome deals on flights and, and accommodation, which is uh, definitely going to be hard to find in, in that little uh, island. of. So, oh, um, yes, that's very hard to find. I can vouch for that. So. Exactly. So, yeah, so, I mean, it, yeah, definitely, definitely, they'll, they'll be, the, they'll be there, they'll be at the World Cup uh, for, for the, for the month, and they'll be in, uh, in Colorado for that, for that, uh, for that game. So, they're, they're looking forward to it, as is, uh, hopefully, everybody is. Todd Clever, uh, captain of the USA national team, and, uh, you know, whipping his troops into shape, getting ready for uh, two matches against Canada, one of them being at Infinity Park in Glendale on August 13th, and the first one, August 6th, at BMO Park in Toronto. Go to the T-Dot and see them play. And, and, and Americans, if you are in, uh, you're in uh, western New York or you're in Vermont or New Hampshire or, or Michigan, get over to Toronto and, uh, and, and make sure that the USA fans are heard. Uh, for that game, and then, of course, Japan after that, and finally the World Cup. Todd, we appreciate you taking the time out of your training to speak with us, and uh, uh, best of luck going forward. Yeah, thanks very much for having me again, and uh, you know, appreciate it, and uh, hopefully you guys can stay positive as well as we can, and uh, hopefully we get some wins in the next three rounds, and then, uh, and then some wins in the World Cup. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. All right, good take luck, care. Todd. Thanks, Todd. Okay, well, that was Todd Clever. Uh, captain of the national team, and he, I mean, he's training on his own pretty much. He's got Ty Anosa, he's got uh, Matt Hawkins working there. Uh, Anosa's in the pool going for uh, Canada and, and uh, Japan and, and hoping to break into that, uh, that top 30. Uh, you know, the, the thing that struck me, first of all, guys, is that uh, Todd was talking about, uh, and, 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 I, and I asked him about it, t- talking about discipline and trying to get everybody together and, and not get into a situation like you're in warm up games, you. you you get so you know on the boil that you end up getting yourself a red card or something like that now you know we 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 know that um in the last world cup uh paul emmerich was unfairly in my opinion uh made an example of and suspended for the rest of the world cup uh for a dangerous tackle he did on on ollie barkley of england he picked the wrong guy he picked the starting fly half for england 
um, to to put that tackle on. It was a, a tackle that deserved a yellow card, which he got, but he didn't really deserve the uh, the suspension. But those things do happen, and they've got to be careful. We don't want to see a top player on the Eagles um, get a suspension before the World Cup. And I think it's interesting that that's in his on his mind. Obviously, that's the worst case scenario, right? Um, so, <laughs> as a captain, you always have to be thinking about everything, and that's one of them. And and Paul has kind of been targeted, uh, not just in that that one game. And I think every time you mention Paul and, and you think about what he brings to the Eagle team, there's always that little bit in the back of your mind of of well, he also tends to get a uh, carded a bit more than everybody else. And so, a, as a captain, I'm sure that that's something that Todd, especially as much time as he spent with Paul. Um, you know, it always has a little bit in the back of his mind, and it's it's not shocking. I guess it's a good thing. Um, hopefully, uh, he can stay off the radar, and, and, and Todd won't have to worry about it. You know what? In that whole hit, Barkley went backward looking for an offload. He wound up getting dumped. That was that was actually yes. That was he he got railroaded in that one. There's Certainly. no doubt about it. And um and I mean what Vickery did on the you know not, nothing happened to him. So let, let's let's call a spade a spade. He got done because he's an eagle, and and Vickery didn't get done because he, he plays for England, and and that's and that's the way it goes. Um, I, I I think that he's correct. I I don't anticipate very many disciplinary problems. I I also don't think that they have a pool that is going to be something that will cause a lot of disciplinary problems. I think that while the Irish are tough, they do play. A, a little bit of a wider game. The Australians will almost certainly play a wider game, and 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 and, and in the Russia game, I think that the that there's not going to be the referees are not going to make calls like that to take that game out of. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to try to have an effect on that game with cards. And Italy, you know, anything can happen, but I think Italy's the last game of the World Cup. So, I uh, no, actually, it's not the last game. It's the next to last game. Whatever. Italy's Italy, Italy is their Italy, last game. Italy is, the, is Italy their is last, their last game. game. So then, yeah. and, and if Italy's their last game, then then that you know, if anything happens there, it happens there. It's not the end of the world. But you know, I, I think that I think he's got the right attitude. And the biggest thing I took out of that is they're not together. They're not practicing. Yep. And they want. That was to. kind the of. Thing, his... and, and the thing is, yes. they want to. It's like you could tell, like the guys are out in Denver. The guys are out in you know, the guys are working. They want to be together, and they're not, and and that's unfortunate. That was his parting shot, really. Was you know talking about hoping to get more uh, support and more more funding, and, and as far as that goes, and I, as far as I can tell, the guys that are in Denver are out there on their own dime and and uh, staying out there and working hard, and, and that's something that should, you know you could almost bet act. your bottom dollar on that. And between <laughs> yeah. the bottom dollar and I mean, my bottom dollar, those are some big dollars. <laughs> That's a commendable thing, and, and I think it's great that they're out there. But that was part of why I brought up, you know, as a fan, I'm jealous of, of the success that Japan's had. You know, are you jealous of, of the funding that teams like Japan are getting or, or even Canada are getting these, these somewhat comparable rugby countries? And I think that the the answer was uh, ended up being yes. Sure. And the, the fact that Japan is going to be together more than any other nation now, I mean, Japan – it's a smaller country. They can bring everybody together, and that's that's true of most of the countries. The, the in world rugby, it's smaller than the United States, but not all of them. And there are ways to, to deal with it. And the guys in Denver, uh, you know, they're, they're they're getting some help, obviously, um, 
at least somebody trying to find them a place to stay or find them something. They're training, um, they're training with Dave Williams, all those things. But it's it, it, we're still expecting guys to basically uh, have no job or have a part-time job that they can walk away from, uh, er, anything like that, so that they can commit to play for the Eagles. And that is a recipe for having a squad of 30 guys go into a World Cup and then see 23 of them retire afterward because they can't keep it up. Hopefully that doesn't happen. And I, you know what? I think that we just sit back and we'll, we'll talk about it. I think we, you know, it, it's hard. Let's talk about it after the first Canada game. Otherwise, we're just having a I, – I think that let well, us we got, see, we let's see, see what happens and we'll talk gotta, about it. Let's we got to see, see what, what happens. We got to see what they do on that. And, and uh, I do have to remind people it's not – there's one more game in there. And that is a midweek game, August 10th, 7 p.m. at Infinity Park. And it is a USA Selects team against a Glendale Selects team. And this is a chance for Eddie O'Sullivan to put guys who have not been getting playing time uh, out on the field one more time to see if one of them jumps up and down um, and says, pick me, pick me, pick me. Um, the, It'll the... also be a, a time for guys like Ats Malifa, Alec Parker, and Hayden Mextead who may be think that they uh, deserved a shot to be in an Eagles jersey to, to, to prove to Eddie that they thought they, you know, that they're good enough. You bet. Absolutely. That'll be a, a, a chance on that. Um, and, we, you know, we, we the squad is out. You know, 30, 36 players, they're going to cut it down to 30. Um, there, are, there are two major, uh, you know, two or three, I guess. Let's say two major exclusions from this. Samu Manoa is uh, not on the team because his agreement with Northampton Saints is essentially based around the fact that he will not go to the World Cup. He will get a bonus for the amount of games he plays, and he, he's going to miss at least seven games with the World Cup, so he's going to stay with the Northampton Saints. Um, you know, I, I, you know what? you should be judged on that one, I think. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not in his shoes, and, and if I had a big payday and um, on that, and I, you know, had one shot at being a, a felt I had one shot at being a professional rugby player. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of hard to know what you do. I, I don't even know that that's legal. It, technically, it's not. But so I got, I got, you know, based on. No, but the, it's not in writing. What it is is he's got an incentive clause. There's nothing wrong with an incentive clause, and a player looking at the incentive clause and say, "I'm better off not going to the World Cup." And there's. And and if there's a, a little bit of verbal agreement in in there, then uh, you can't do anything. There's nothing in writing that, that has the Northampton Saints saying you can't go to the World Cup because that is not legal. But there's there's ways that teams go get around it, and one of them is that the player basically says, "I don't want to go." Yeah, and and anyone who wants to find out more about how that actually works, if you go to the IRB Tom site. And you go to and you click on laws and regulations, hit regulations, go to regulation nine. Regulation nine is very, very clear about how availability of players has to be given. It is it, it it's very simple, it's very clear. I don't know exactly you know, that then this comes down to that's his choice. Yeah. And that's fine. And I respect it as his choice, but it's his choice. Yes, that's correct. And the other, the other exclusion is Seta Tuilavuka, and as I understand it, uh, he's got visa problems, and so he, he's not really going to be able to be available for all these games, so he's got visa problems. Um, 
Well, that does it talking about the Eagles, and we will be right back with another segment talking about Sevens. But before we do, just a reminder that the USA Sevens International Rugby Tournament is February 11 and 12, 2012, in Las Vegas at Sam Boyd Stadium. Go to usasevens.com for information about that. And also, uh, check out rugbyimports.com for all your rugby supply needs. Well, we also have some stuff going on domestically, uh, and and it's right in the middle of the summer seven season. And this past weekend, we concluded all the qualifiers. We know who's going to be in in the different brackets um, for the national sevens club championships. And uh, you know, a couple of interesting things about it. First of all, there are ten teams that were in last year's nationals who are not in this year's group of sixteen, which is uh, which is pretty impressive turnover one of them being the defending champions old puget sound beach who didn't make it to the top two in uh in the pacific coast playoffs but we have our pools we know who's going to be where pool a utah warriors glendale raptors san francisco golden gate and chicago lions pool d uh skilko river on young bloods which is out of minnesota and the denver barbarians Pool C is Woodland Exiles, Pittsburgh, Middlesex, which is out of Massachusetts, and Atlanta Old White. And uh, Pool B is New Orleans, Boston, the Hawaii Select Team, and Belmont Shore. And immediately jumping out, it doesn't take uh, great expertise really to have this jump out. Pool A is one of the toughest pools of death I've seen in a long time because usually a pool of death is three – amazing teams and one team who you know is going to go 0 and 3 this one they're all very very good because the Glendale Raptors slipped up a little bit this past weekend uh Pat you can talk about more about that cuz you saw it but they slipped up and ended up the west number 3 and i think they're way better than a number 3 seed yeah they they certainly are i mean you know when they slipped up this weekend they were without Shea Tamati which uh i talked a little bit about last show uh, what a pleasure he is to watch i mean he's a stud um, you know, talking to Mark Bullock on the sideline, uh, Glendale's 15th coach and director of rugby, um, he said Alec Parker says he's the best hooker he's ever played with. He's an undersized guy, about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and uh, usually hookers don't translate well to the sevens field, but this guy does. So so you lose him. Uh, he was injured, did not play in their uh, semifinal and in the third-place game, and then you lose uh, Spencer Scott, who uh, didn't play at all because he had a, a pulled hamstring issue still left over from the last tournament. Those are two of your best forwards and really two of the best forwards – I'm not going to say the two of the best forwards in the country, but depending on how deep a list you wanted to make the best of list, it could be because both of those guys are difference makers and both of them are very good players. So you lose both of them, and that's big. And that's the one thing about Glendale that I think is their Achilles heel is, is depth. I think that their top seven is really, really good. I think that their top nine are pretty darn good. When you start getting to 10, 11, 12, they fall off. So if they could stay healthy in, in nationals – they, uh, you know, their top seven is just as they can play with any top seven in the country. Yeah, I think that this this piggybacks on what we were talking about last last week. Um, that I think USA Rugby is going to have to, or more so, more so. I think that the the teams who choose to compete in sevens as an elite sevens teams need to figure out a way to have some kind of a national style league and, 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 and make it so that they, they can 
get the competition that they want to get and have pool style points. This this pool is it's ridiculous. There's essentially three, four number one seeds, four capable number one seeds in in that one area. And then you know, like I you know, like I said in the last show, the Mid Atlantic is definitely down. The Northeast is definitely down. Josh Smith did a wonderful job with Middlesex to get them into the area that they're going to be. The Woodland Exiles, uh, obviously, uh, you know, Pat's been Pat's been spouting them correctly. Pat's like our guru. He's going to have to be our prediction guy. And uh, But Atlanta Old White has a lot of – they have a very strong Kenyan influence, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they do. And that, right. and that will be very, very interesting to see. And it will be very interesting to see how the Hawaii selects go because those, those guys will play a lot of sevens. They'll play on the beach. So it'll be a very it, – it'll be a team that runs with a lot of power, has a lot of fitness – and we'll be able to play. Well, I, w- I would, uh, I would go back on that fitness thing if I were you. Um, from what I'm hearing, uh, when they were fitness tested, not a single person on the team uh, or a single person in the gathering scored above a 15 on the yo-yo test. Wait, wait, exactly... wait, 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 wait! I want to, I want to go back on this. I'm not a big believer in fitness tests. I'm a big believer in can you play. The object of the game is to score more points than the opposition. It is not to beat them in a fitness test. It's not to do more pull-ups and push-ups than them. A lot of times you'll find that even in the NFL and things like that, um, athletes of island descent will not do as well on maybe bench press tests or things like that. It's just not in their – it's not in their culture to do fitness-style testing, but they do have ballast, meaning they have the heavy bone structure – meaning that they are very powerful, very difficult to bring down, very difficult to wrestle with. And I think that that – I meant it in terms of that. They'll bring a physicality well, to the game and an offloading ability to the game and explosive power even though they – now, I haven't seen them play. So, but as far as fitness tests go, uh, you, know, you could take all those fitness tests and throw them out the water. There's a lot I'm of guys, triathletes and things like that, they'll do great on a fitness test, lousy in a rugby field. I <laughs> the, listen. I'm not an anthropologist. So I'm not going to get into bone structure and things like that. But uh, the fact, is, and by the way, the guy that broke the all-time uh, bench press rep uh, record at the NFL Combine this year wasn't of island descent. So say that they don't do well in fitness tests, maybe a, a mis a misnomer of sorts. There, I'm just saying that you mentioned fitness. I'm saying that what we know about their fitness so far is that it doesn't add up in these tests. Uh, to where other people do. And now if you want to throw that out the window as a coach and say that's fine, that's certainly fine. But I'm saying that's what these tests are designed to do. And some people hold stock in them because, you know, the, the this yo-yo test was designed by uh, New Zealand and it's used by all the major na- national teams. So maybe you know more than them than I, you know, and, and maybe you know more than I do. But as far as the fitness test is designed, um, they didn't do as well as, as some of these other territories have done. Pat, that's I all totally, I'm saying. I totally understand where you're coming from. I'm just saying that people who are exposed to these tests over a period of time tend to do better. And sure. when, you, when you give a guy a test where he's never, ever been exposed to it, they are not going to tend to do as well. And I'm not saying that, that there's guys who aren't overweight or things like that. I'm just saying that a lot of times coaches use the fitness test as a crutch, as an excuse to cut a guy. They don't cut them or they're afraid to cut them based on their play, and they're afraid to say, hey, 
you know, we need you, we need you to work more off the ball. We need you to, to get yourself in the position. We need you to make sensible passes. We need you to control the contact before you offload, and we need you to tackle low. We need you to tackle the ball. We need you, you know, whatever it is that you need them to do. A lot of times coaches will say, well, you know, he only has this much of a vertical jump, or he only does, does this on the, on the beep test or the yo-yo test. Like, whatever. I'm just saying, to me, it's overrated. It, it, okay. I, in my mind, it's overrated. There's a lot of great players in the history of world rugby who maybe didn't do the greatest on the fitness test but can play, play rugby. And we've, I think that that's an important point to bring out, and I think it's something that we have to look at as a country. Can he play? It's a big question. Can he play? Not can he. Not did he do well on the fitness test. Can he play? Well, we, we, you're right. We we have seen players uh, go with some really good scores onto a national team, and uh, not we we haven't seen the performance after that because there's there are other factors involved. Um, looking looking at these pools, then. Um, I'm interested to find some uh, some dark horses. I want to I want to pick some winners. Uh, Let's go to the hardest one first. Pool A: Utah, Glendale, Golden Gate, and Chicago Lions. And I and I see uh, for that um, athleticism is is perhaps what drives the Warriors um, more than anything else. And and for for me, um, the the Chicago Lions. Are really nice mix of teamwork and athleticism. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they have the the all-out physicality and size because a lot of their their faster guys um, are relatively small. I don't know, but I, I like the Lions here. I've, I've I've liked the Lions the last several years. So even though this is um, this is really a pick'em pool, completely a pick'em pool, and I could see Golden Gate, who lost to the Warriors, I could see Golden Gate winning the thing. It is their home ground, after all. Um, but I kind of like the Lions for this. Uh, Pat and Bruce, what do you think? I uh, I do like the Lions a lot, um, but this isn't exact. I think the chemistry on this line seems a little bit different. They've got more college kids that have been mixed into it, so it isn't exactly the – it's not the same group of guys that went and won the club championship series down in Vegas. Um, those guys you know, knew each other's moves left and right. I like them a lot. But they struggled a little bit more in the Midwest than I would have liked to see. And frankly, I think that the Pacific Coast and the West um, both have better teams and deeper, uh, a deeper roster of teams this year than the Midwest does. And, uh, and I think that that's what you have to take into consideration. And I like Glendale a lot. And I think that uh, you know some of those guys, Atta Malifa, Dewan Reed, um, the two guys that we mentioned earlier, the forwards, I think a lot of them, they could raise their level and beat any of these teams. Anybody in this pool can win. But for my money... Uh, it comes down to Utah and SF in San Francisco Golden Gate. Does Utah have Don Potty? Is Don Potty back and is he healthy? Um, he hasn't been playing for them because he had knee surgery. Um, I, there's a possibility he's going to be back, I'm told. So is he on the field? If he is, that's great. Uh, is Mike Palafal going to be on the field? Obviously, the Eagles play um, Canada that day. But uh, based Sorry. on conversations I've had with some people, he's not ruled out. He has some work commitments and won't release them for the entire week, which means chances are he wouldn't be able to play in Canada anyway. So there's a pretty good chance that he's – there's a decent chance, let's say, that he's going to actually be in San Francisco playing for the Utah Warriors based on conversations I've had. Um, if that's the case, if they have Don Potty and Mike Palafow, I like the Warriors a lot. You add in Jason Pye. You add in some of the other guys, uh, You know, Matt Bird. You add in uh, Ryan Chapman and uh, a guy whose last name I can't recall, but uh, the first name is Maka a former Highland rugby, maybe you guys can help me out here, Highland guy just out of Highland. 
Um, Al Caravelli told me he's the find of the year um, as far as uh, new talents who has the pace and can move like Mike Palafau, he says. So if you if you give me a Mike Palafau, a guy that can move like Mike Palafau, Don Potty and some of the other moving parts that Utah has, they're my pick. Um, they're my favorite to win it. But like I said, I think anybody in this pool can win. Well, I'm going to go with Golden Gate, and you know I'm going to assume – Volney Rouse is playing. I'm going to assume Millie Pulu's playing, and I'm going to assume that uh, Mose Timoteo is playing. And, and, and in the event that's the case, I'm going to assume San Francisco is going to come out of that pool. That is uh, Maka Unufe. He's actually from United, played against Highland. I think that's the guy we're talking about. And I remember him. He is a tall, rangy, very, very fast player for United. I remember him in the final, um, scored, I think, two tries. Um, and I remember writing down in my notes at the time, Eagle Sevens. I, I asked around to find out if he was a local guy, he was a local kid, uh, and I do remember him very, uh, very vividly now that uh, um, he is a supreme talent. He is uh, fast, he's got step, um, maybe not right now, but I agree with, uh, I agree with Al Caravelli that he's a find, absolutely. Pool D, which matches up with Pool A, uh, Schuylkill River, Ombak, Youngbloods, and Denver Barbarians. Here for me is it's it's almost the opposite. I don't want to say they're bad teams. They're not bad teams, but they are either inexperienced or they are teams that are that are lacking in a uh, blow you away athlete. I and I think that most of these teams have have found the success that they found in teamwork. And so I'm I'm looking that and I pick the champion, uh, Schuylkill River, not blow you away athletic. But they have an excellent coach in Chris Ryan putting them together. They work very hard together. They've got some smart players who play really, really well together. And usually, at the, I've been going to a lot of these Sevens Club Championships, there's one team that comes through and does well. Usually they do something like they win the bowl. But they do very well basically by playing good team Sevens the whole way through. Um, yeah, For my money, you know, and I don't want to – I don't want to bash the Mid-Atlantic too much here, but if we're ranking uh, the territories one to seven, Mid-Atlantic, in my mind, is seven, and it's a pretty definitive seven. I don't think that there uh, there's as much talent in that region as there has been in a long time uh, with the Exiles and Nova not taking it uh, as seriously as they had in the past. I don't think that uh, – yeah, I don't want to take anything well from Schuylkill River, but they weren't really a threat at all last year. This year, maybe they turn it around. Maybe they're better than I'm expecting but they're going to have to show me something on the field in, in San Francisco for me to pick them to do anything. Um, Young Bloods is a team that I like. I, I do like the way the Midwest does. They picks their champion. Uh, they played in a lot of tournaments. Um, uh, Nate Augsburger is a fantastic player for them. Their scrum half who kind of makes the things go. But the Denver Barbarians are the easy pick for me. And then, listen, I'm probably a pretty West-centric guy. I've watched all West Sevens this year, so it's fair to call me a homer, if you will. But I think the West – is the deepest, other than the Pacific Coast, the deepest top to bottom as far as competitive teams. Um, one of the teams that weren't in it last year that was in it this year was the Dallas Harlequins um, in Nationals, that is. And the Dallas Harlequins got markedly better this year than they did last year, and they still couldn't make it back to Nationals. And I think that's uh, an indication of how good the West really was this year. And, and Maximo de Acheval is one of those guys you're talking about who is just slow. That's all he is. He has yep. no – he's painfully slow, but he's great at every other aspect of the game. Ben Hapapuro, if this guy could put on weight, would be an eagle. Um, he's a little bit skinny, but he can still play like he's not a little bit skinny. They're not going to have Mark Bachhoven, but the Denver Barbarians are my pick to win this, not only because 
I think they have that long-term team chemistry, but because realistically, I think Maximo and Ben could be the top two players in this entire pool, other than maybe one on Ambach, and I'm not sure exactly who's playing for them. But if you got the two best players on the field in any given game, which I think Denver's going to have, um, you got my pick to win. I got a. I think that Denver's going to win. I think that it's going to be very important for their club to do better than Glendale. So I will pick Denver Barbarians. Okay, to Pool C. Well, Pat, you've been touting the uh, Woodland Exiles and and. Bruce, you just said, you know, good for good for Middlesex for getting to where they're getting, but you know, perhaps this is the limit. And I think I think this is stratified clearly. Woodland Exiles and Atlanta Old White are the top two. Pittsburgh and Middlesex are the bottom two in this pool. Uh, Atlanta Old White, I think is, um, I think they've got a lot going for them, and I think they can surprise some people. But it, it'll just come down to those two. Yeah, those are the two that move on to the the cup round for sure. Um, you know, old white, they, you know, I've talked to their coach, Brent Island. He thinks that they're, they're, they're actually going to be pretty good this year and they have a chance to compete. Um, I got an email from another one of their players who, who thinks that they're better than they were last year. And, uh, they finished, I think it was sixth last year and, and they're looking to improve on that. It's hard to tell off one tournament, um, how well anybody's done, but they certainly beat some teams of note down there, you know, life's not in it and they are. And so that says something for sure. Um, Charlotte, who was, uh, in nationals last year was also in that South competition and uh, Atlanta old wide beat them out. Um, and I have been touting the exiles. I mean, when you've got John moonlight and, uh, and uh, Phil Mack, a couple of Canadians and good Canadians playing on your team, obviously that's going to uh, raise some hairs. Nathan Rogers, a, a longtime life guy uh, is a big playmaker for them at center. Um, you know, they had Mark Ayler here in Denver. Now there's a, there's some talk. I'm not sure who's going to be eligible because of the two uh, tournament rule that you have to play in uh, in tournaments and successive weekends with the club in order to qualify for nationals. I don't think Mark uh, Ayler fits that, and I think there may be one or two other guys on their team that don't um, fit that rule that they may have to go and find waivers for if they can. Um, but e- even without them, I think the Exiles are a very good team and the best one in this pool. They Now they have to play two tournaments. It doesn't matter what tournaments. They can play two tournaments. So it doesn't have to be a qualifier tournament. It can be any kind of tournament. So maybe so these maybe they these exiles find a tournament for them to play. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to go with Pat, and I'm going to go with the Woodlands Exiles to uh, to win that. I don't think that Pittsburgh or Middlesex. I think they may be overwhelmed with the whole um, magnitude of it, and I think that uh, flying across the country for Atlanta Old White is going to be difficult. And and the Exiles have been performing, so I'm going to go with the Exiles. Speed kills, or speed can kill in this, and while I've been talking about teamwork on one thing, I think that uh, especially Old White will um, really stick it to uh, Pittsburgh and Middlesex early on. And I love Ron Amandi. I think he's a good player and does some very smart things. And, and actually, when we talk about Kenyan players, and there are a lot of Kenyan players interspersed in different teams around uh, around the sevens clubs in this country, uh, I think you should look at defense because they play very, very smart defense. That's what that's what ends up helping teams. Offensively, great players, uh, the the experienced ones. Some of these are internationals, but it's the defense and the cover defense that, that makes the difference. I'm going to take Old White. Uh, pool B, New Orleans. Love New Orleans. Love Jeff Ruther. Love love those guys and how hard they're working down there. Uh, Boston, uh, Hawaii Select, and Belmont Shore. Boston, 
actually, in my opinion, could be the best sevens team in the country. I do think they've got a number of combinations in terms of their their teamwork, in terms of their fitness. Uh, some players, again, who've been playing a, a, a really well together. Some athleticism. And Kevin Imonia is a great coach. Yeah, I, Boston is is obviously the best team out of the Northeast. They only lost one tournament all year. They won every other tournament. I think they only lost one game all year, and that was the Old Blue and the and the precursor to Hellgate Sevens this weekend. But uh, yeah, Boston's obviously very good, very talented. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with their roster, how they're going to shifting if they're possibly going to shift things around. How they didn't enter two teams. Uh, I don't know how that works, but they've been very good, and there's no reason to suspect that they won't get through. Uh, Belmont Shore is the obvious known. Everybody knows how good they are. They've got more Eagles this year than I think they had last year. And uh, they've added a, a non-Eagle who I think extremely highly of in Taylor Howden. Um, I've seen this guy single-handedly win qualifier matches in the West a couple years ago for Glendale when Glendale was a lot weaker. Um, I mean, I've seen, I've seen him just carve up teams. And uh, to add him into the mix with all the other big names they've got, um, they're going to have some pretty big names on the bench. So how well can they play together, I think, is the question. Um, New Orleans, if New Orleans was in Pool D or Pool C, New Orleans would be my dark horse. They would be the team that I would pick to get through that maybe somebody else wouldn't. But they're kind of stuck in Pool B where I think Boston and Belmont are two really good teams. So it's an unfortunate draw for them because I think if they were they were in D or C that they had a real chance to get to the cup rounds and, and, and continue the great success that club has had over the last few months. I think that Boston, while, while they are very good, the Northeast is is very poor. And and the fact that they did lose to Old Blue says that they can lose and and probably will get a little bit overwhelmed by the uh, by the magnitude of the event again. And and I would look at Belmont Shore having a, a relatively short trip up and having been there and and understand what it's going to take over the course of the two days to win. That I would I would say Belmont Shore will win that game. I, I think that they'll win that pool. I think that New Orleans. There's a couple. There's a guy on, on the AC who trains with us on Thursday nights, who plays from New Orleans. He's not going to be there. Said Boo Michael, and and I, I just um, I just don't know that they're going to be fully ready to play. I think that Boston and Belmont are going to come out of that. Um, the Hawaii Select, as much as I, as much as I said uh, that you know they they could be a dark horse. I I don't see them being able to I don't see them being able to get over to San Francisco and win so I, I think that's going to be a, a big problem I think that Belmont's going to win and I think Boston's going to come out of it yeah I, think I, I forgot you, to make a prediction so I'll predict Belmont I think I forgot to actually pick yeah. <laughs> I you know Belmont sure last year they made the final with a team that was actually kind of beat up and kind of slow and uh, James Walker said at the time that he thought the team was perhaps a team of too many fly halves. And, and this year, they, they may lack a fly half, but I think they've got a lot more pace and athleticism. And I think they're healthier this year than they were last year. So really, they should be favored. Uh, Hawaii Select, I think, are a complete dark horse. Nobody knows what we're going to get there. I think we're going to get some physical and athletic guys. And I think if they really start to gel over time... I, I, I could see them going 0-3 in the pool and winning the bowl. So I would, I would pick – if I picked them as a dark horse, I'd pick them to win the bowl. Now, winning the bowl is really, really tough because to do that, you first of all have to win a game later in that day. They play the bowl quarterfinals uh, usually on day one, 
So you got to win that game. And if you uh, and and if you've gone zero and three and you're kind of run down, really really tough to do that. Uh, but Bel- Belmont Shore, uh, they also have to bring yeah. enough guys to do it. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't. Um, you know, I mean, it would be great if they did well. That would be fantastic. But I, I'm not. Uh, you know, as much as I said before, I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to. I'm not going to think that they're going to win much of anything. I, I think that they'll be. It'll be good for them. They'll, they'll know, they may pick off a Pittsburgh or a Middlesex, or maybe you know pick off somebody coming out of a of another pool in the second day. But I don't think they're going to pick off anything going. And they may pick off New Orleans, but I don't think they're going to pick off anyone else. Yeah, injuries. That's another thing. And being able to get all the way through that tournament is a tough tournament to get through. Okay, real quick, Bruce, you first. Pick a winner. Uh, Woodlands. Pat. I want to pick the Utah Warriors, uh, but I don't. Uh, too many question marks. I'll go with Belmont. And I will pick the Chicago Lions. So there you go, three picks. So one of us has a really good shot at being right. So uh, by that, by that uh, measurement, it's probably going to be somebody else like Utah or Denver. Uh, I, I was, I was, I, my second choice would have been Golden Gate. I actually think that Woodlands will play Golden Gate in the final. Fair. Is there any way Old Puget Sound can still win it? Because they might be my pick. Yeah, you know, it, it, Old Puget Sound shows up and calls themselves Hawaii. They're still a very good team, and I've still got them ranked as one of the top ten teams in the country. Uh, and, one of the and, things also that we, that while we're on this subject of of sevens and 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 obviously the and every year there's a there's a poor layout of the of the tournament in and of itself, and I'm sure the international tournaments have poor layouts and rough pools too. If they were to have kind of a series sort of situation one one of the good things that i think would be nice is that those that series takes place over a two-day event so to get the players used to what it's like at international rugby to be part of a two-day event most of these guys qualify in one-day events and then have to play a two-day event and it is not used to it they don't know what to expect they don't know how to recover and and i think that that in the event that we're going to have, say, four or five tournaments throughout the summer where the, the major teams went to, I think that having two-day events or would be, would be very, very good for them. And I think that from there you can select your select side teams to play in that. And I think that that will give the national team coaches a little bit of a better look is to say a lot of guys can do things on one day that following day. I think that's an excellent point, and I think there should be a national series. And the other thing about this seeding is that you look at this, Utah Warriors and San Francisco Golden Gate, their seeding is based on the performance of Provo Homeless and O Puget Sound from last year. And uh, you know, uh, Middlesex's seeding is based on how Mystic River did last year. And in the IRB series – each team is seeded based on how that team did either throughout the, whole, the, the season so far or through the last two tournaments. They're not seeded – you know, USA is not seeded because Canada lost a game two weeks ago. So that's the, – the big fault for me is everything changes every year, and we're trying to – we keep trying to say something like, well, we're going to uh, seed the number one team from the mid-Atlantic here because last year that team did such and such. Well, you know – it, it's it's all irrelevant because everything changes all the time, and I love the idea of an of a national series. I think that it actually 
you wouldn't need that much money. You just need a little bit of will and a little bit of organization to get that that puppy going. Well, these yeah, teams you all know, have to- as long as you're picking based on previous year's performances. There's gonna be bad things that happen in these brackets. It happens in 15s every year too because they kind of do it the same way. But it, what's the alternative? Having a panel or the competitions committee come up with what the seeds are? I'm not so sure I would uh, trust them to do any better than what we have. Well, I, I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't trust it to be political. One, one of the things that I would do would be very similar to my advice to the college premier division prior to them getting started was to run their own league and take take control of everything themselves. And my advice to any sevens teams that want to enter into something like this or to put something together, I think that would it would be to have their own setup and their own league and they decide who plays who in different pool match. Like you can when everybody shows up in Chicago for the tournament, then different teams will play in different pools. Then they may go to Denver for a tournament. Then they may go to San Fran for a tournament and they may go to New York for a tournament. And in those areas then the pools are set. Everybody knows who's playing who, and you know what you have to do, and it's agreed upon by the teams in there. That's the way I would do it. I wouldn't. I would try to take as much of the politics out of it, and the politics could be within the teams, but the politics don't have to be within. I I, I think that anything we hand it to USA Rugby is is not correct. It's not the way to go, and and that's not to say that USA Rugby shouldn't sanction it. I believe that they should. But I don't think that they should control it. Perfect. Well, that is going to wrap it up. An excellent show, and I'm really excited uh, that we had uh, Todd Clever uh, come and talk to us a little bit. And we uh, checked in also on the the Club Sevens Championships, which will be held, by the way, August six and seven at uh, Sheeran Field on Treasure Island in San Francisco, home of San Francisco Golden Gate. And we want to thank our sponsors, the USA Sevens. Rugby tournament, which will be held in February 2012 in Las Vegas. Go to USA7s.com for that. And also with Rugby Imports, the place to go for all of your rugby supply needs for yourself and for your team and for your training field, and that is at RugbyImports.com. And Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton, thanks, guys, and we had a good show. Well, uh, yeah, it was a great show. Love to talk to Todd. Always love talking sevens, even though Bruce probably doesn't. So uh, it was a good one. I look forward to the next one. Yes, and I also would like to add one thing, if we could say everybody say a little prayer for John Prismak, who was uh, who was the um, owner of USA Seven, CRC Sevens, and and Rugby Mag for that RugbyMag.com for that uh, for that. He he was in the hospital recently with a with an infection on his spine. He should be coming home today, which is Monday, and. And, and hopefully he's doing well. I spoke to him over the weekend, and he seemed to be in excellent spirits. And another prayer for the, uh, the, the, the head of the foundation for the Old Blue Rugby Club, Dick Dinelli, who was a, a longtime player and, and, a, and a very influential person in, in American rugby. He, he died yesterday on Sunday, oh, wow. and, and if everybody can just say a little prayer for Dick Dinelli, that would be, that would be great. Yeah, I talked with uh, John's wife. Patty uh, today, and uh, and John is coming home tomorrow, and uh, obviously we we hope the best for him, and uh, and he's a strong man, and uh, uh, our best wishes uh, go out to the Dinelli family and to the old Blue family for um, 
their the passing of a of a, a great servant to that club. That will do it for this episode of Rugged Matrix America. Thanks a lot to Todd Clever for coming on the show, and thanks to you for listening. This is Alex Goff with RugbyMag.com saying go to RugbyMag.com for all the rugby news in between the shows and check out also Rugged Matrix America on iTunes or you can go to RugbyMag.com to check out the old shows or RuggaMatrix.com. Thanks a lot, guys, and this is Alex Goff saying thanks for listening.